What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, college football preview. Let's get into it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports, online wisemoneysports.com. Professional portfolio almost every day of the week. A couple days in there that they're passing on games. But what it is, it's a collective portfolio put together by professionals for you, the better. Online wisemoneysports.com, on Twitter, at wisemoneysports. All right, so uh, like we do every Wednesday, I'm going to uh, play back a portion of College Football Weekly, a show that I am on, hosted by Will Chambers, and we go through this weekend's slate of college football games. So let's waste no more time. Get right into it. First up, Penn State at Michigan State. Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite here. Look, Michigan State, they're coming off a bye week and a much-needed bye week for sure. Uh, the Spartans had lost two straight games. They're now 4-3 and three on the season. And the defense that we all expected, I know I expected them to be one of the best in the nation, they're, they've given up 32 points per game in their last three games. And the offense has been even worse. They scored just 10 points against Ohio State and then were shut out against Wisconsin. I think everyone kind of expected Michigan State's offense to still struggle, but to see the defense giving up big points, that's not what anyone expected. A huge disappointment for them. And we just saw how explosive Penn State's offense can be against Michigan with guys like Sean Clifford and K.J. Hamler and the committee of running backs they have there. And so you look at how bad the Spartan offense is, this seems like a no-brainer, right? Because Penn State's defense is so great. Only problem is that Michigan State has won two straight against the Nittany Lions and five of the last six. So given the recent history of how well Mark D'Antonio's teams have fared against James Franklin's teams, combined with the extra week for Sparty to prepare, normally I think I'd be all over Michigan State here, but they've burned me too many times this year. I've lost all trust in Mark D'Antonio to figure it out, and both teams just feel different to me than what they have been in recent history. I think this Penn State team really is you know i think they have if they can beat ohio state they're probably going to make the playoff i think they're that good so i'm taking penn state here minus six and a half obviously a little hesitant just because of maybe a letdown factor after the michigan game last week and the recent history with michigan state but at this point i just don't think you can trust the spartans when you start looking at michigan state's numbers to me it's very difficult to predict game to game what you're going to get because in their in their wins they're averaging 37 and a half points. Right. That's crazy. I mean, I mean, it just comes out of nowhere. They're averaging 37 and a half points in their wins, but then they lose 10-7 to Arizona State, 34-10 to Ohio State, 38-0 to Wisconsin. Right. 5.8 points per game in those games. So it's very uh volatile. The results this year for Michigan State, not really predictable. And on top of that, Mark D'Antoni or D'Antonio has had a bye week. Yeah. I think that's worth a lot for a coach like Mark D'Antonio, especially after all that criticism. Not that he's going to go into the offensive room and start changing things, but I think a week off helps Michigan State and a lot of other teams. And I think we could see a bit of a letdown with from Penn State. They got all they got very excited for that uh, game last week. College game day was there. It was the wide out. But sometimes offense just overwhelms. And I can't help but ignore the fact... Look, I, I think that Michigan played a good game last week. But honestly... I look at the fact that Penn State was up 21-0, and sometimes, call it James Franklin, maybe Penn State's just not a championship-level team. When you get up at halftime or late in the game, we saw the same thing from Wisconsin. Great teams 
hold those leads. Penn State let that go. Right. So I think that Penn State learned from that. I think they're going to get better from that. I don't think James Franklin's going to get rid of any any of his bad habits anytime soon, but I do believe that Penn State's offense will eventually overwhelm Michigan State through the the four quarters. I don't want to make this a a game or anything like that. This is a pass for me, uh, just because the volatility in Michigan State's offense. Very tough for me to predict, but if I had to, I I would lean Michigan State here uh, up to seven, so six and a half would be be my buy price. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd be tempted to be on that same side, just given the fact that, like you said, it's a bye week. And the recent history, if Mark D'Antonio shows he's really good against one coach, I don't like betting against it. And, you know, look, the Penn State defense is great, but they gave up, like, they were outgained, actually, by Michigan ended up with more total yards than Penn State. I think they had 430 uh, yards of total offense Michigan did against Penn State. So maybe that shows uh, some vulnerabilities there that Michigan State can exploit when they're playing Penn State. But I just don't think that you can bet on this Michigan State offense. They can't run the ball. Brian Lewerke uh, has been very volatile. He has good games here and bad games there, and I think that Penn State's defense just ultimately will shut them down. And uh, look, at you know a touchdown road favorite. I don't always love laying those points, but I think in this case well, I'm going to take Penn State. But also keep in mind that Michigan State is almost a better team on the road against the spread. They kind of are that team that... Right, but that they're, plays they're at home here, though. Chip, no, that's my point. Oh, okay. Keep in mind, though, Michigan State goes on the road. They're the kind of team to play with that chip on their shoulder and get right. excited for road games. Home games will. Michigan State's last 12 home games, 2-10 and 10 against the spread. Oh, wow. So definitely in, in, in Penn State's favor there. Yeah, so Michigan State's one of those teams that I love playing on when their backs are against the wall. No one thinks they're going to do anything. You know, the Michigan State's ter- they're going on the road usually in a hostile right. environment. When they're at home, and it, it, this is a small spread. I mean, five and a half, six and a half, that's not that many points. Yeah. Not a great spot for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, if they lose this one, they drop to four and four. I was just reading today that Mark D'Antonio has a clause in his contract that if he is the head coach starting, I think it's like the third week in January of next year, he gets a $4 million bonus. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of wonder if maybe Michigan State will say, we can save $4 million and get rid of a coach who you know hasn't been winning recently. What would tough, you, tough call. What would the first thing be that you would buy if you were given a $4 million check? Oh, you know what? I'd love to be like, I would buy stocks and invest. No, I would buy like my dream car. Would you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I for sure would. I've I'd, always been one of those guys that if I had millions of dollars. You're a car guy. Yeah, like I, I've always loved a bunch of different cars. I would be a guy where my house wouldn't be huge, but my garage would fit like 10 cars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. probably the first thing I would buy. And then I would save and you know put some in stocks and buy a house. But I think the very first, I would splurge on a car that day. I would give to charity, Will. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> you would, I would get. Uh, I would get season ticket floor seats for the Nugs. Oh, I love it. I would get season tickets, great Av seats, yes. great Broncos. I would get best season tickets for every, everything in Denver. I would definitely be a, like the, the type of guy where I would go to every big sporting event all the oh, time. Yeah. I'd always be on the road going to whatever the Wouldn't big game Wouldn't you have Nuggets floor tickets? I would love that. I've never that. been on the floor for a basketball game. Have you? Well, no. that's that's a no. lie. Nick, uh, one of our good mutual friends, Nick Snyder, he took me. We that's sat right, front row because he won a dunk contest that the the nuggets were putting on or something like that through Instagram. And so Is that how he did it? Yeah, he no won way. a dunk contest, which I mean, frankly, probably the only one who sent his thing in because he's barely getting above the rim, <laughs> maybe dunking on seven-foot rims. No, I'm kidding. But so it was really cool. We got to sit row one, but it was row one underneath the basket. So not the not the, uh, but it was pretty much floor. It was the coolest part, the coolest thing yeah, in my life. Man, I've always awesome. wanted to sit floor. And Nick is over there 
you know, heckling these guys. <laughs> shot's weak. Hey, stick your elbow in. I'm just like, can you behave yourself when I we're know. in the front row? Have some class. I Act know. like you've been there before. All <laughs> exactly. the other floor sitters are like, look at and, this guy. And, and me, New money piece of shit. You may think that that was me. <laughs> I was behaved. I was doing well. But one thing that I know, not not to make this about basketball, but it was really cool. One thing I noticed sitting on the floor that you, it's weird. You see a different game down there. What I saw personally, and you know more about basketball than I do, but what I saw was how one-on-one the NBA is. Right. It's just essentially one-on-one basketball because they spread the floor out so well right. that essentially it's just one-on-one and then they'll pass it and he does one-on-one and if he can't get to the hoop, one-on-one there. And I be- remember that and especially at that point of the Nuggets, they weren't very good. Exactly. So they didn't have a lot of like pass the ball around game. Now mm. I think it's less than that, but yeah, it, at that point it definitely was. It was cool, man. Yeah. But hey, we're... Four, or we're about $4 million short of that goal, so let's okay. keep working. We'll get there well. soon. Yeah. A few more podcasts will be there, there in no go. time. Uh, next game up, Oklahoma State plus 10.5 going on the road to Ames, Iowa at Iowa State. Well, you're, you, you, we may be pushing the button again here. Tyler, you've been Uh-oh. quite the fan of the Cowboys this year. I have. And they continue to let you down. I'm 1-1 one one with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if this week you'll still be on them. So a team... Look, let me let me say this. If I do lose with them this week after everything I've been through the last couple of weeks, I will be pissed. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! That's going to be me if they lose this weekend. <laughs> well, look, a, a team that I've been high on all year was Iowa State uh, at the start of the season especially I have their season total wins over eight which by the way they can still get to their five and two right now well. um, slow start for the Cyclones but now they've kind of hit their stride uh, they did have the close loss to Baylor a few weeks ago which at the time didn't look great but now when you know how good Baylor is now that that win or that loss isn't looking so bad so the Cyclones offense has been great they're scoring 37 points per game which is good for 20th in the nation uh, kind of flying under the radar as far as a good offensive team. And the one thing we know about Oklahoma State, once again, they can't stop anyone. Their defense is terrible. So in this game, I expect Iowa State to score early and often. And with the Cyclones having one of the better defenses in the Big 12, I think they'll get the required stops to win this game. And I think cover as well. I think they'll they'll everyone. The book is kind of out on how to slow down uh, Oklahoma State, and it's try to you know do your best to slow down Chuba Hubbard and try to double up Tylen Wallace and make this Spencer Sanders kid beat you, and I think he'll turn the ball over. I like uh, uh, Iowa State here, minus 10.5. Yeah, Oklahoma State, I, I I can't put this on the bet board. I just can't do it, Will. <laughs> I'm too scared. Too I'm afraid to fall to 4-2. And, and it's square. You know, This is the square mentality is, I lost with them last week. I'm scorn. How can they? But I think Iowa State's defense is real, and, and I have a real problem going back using data from the last couple of seasons when you get a team that plays a completely new style. Right. Iowa State has had a pretty good defense for a little bit, but it's never been this good. I mean, this is the best defense Iowa State's arguably ha- had in the history of their program. However, Oklahoma State's 8-2 and two against Iowa State the last time, 10 times they played. They rushed for an average of 200 yards in those games. Iowa State actually has thrown the ball more than Oklahoma State in their matchup. So Oklahoma State likes to keep the ball on the ground. And I know turnovers are largely predictive, but Oklahoma State's defense has dominated in this category, turning over Iowa State an average of three times per game, only turning it over one and a half times per game. Oklahoma State, 6-1, and one, their last seven on the road against uh, Iowa State. So they play very well in Ames, Iowa. I mean, I don't know why I'm not liking this game, aside from the fact that 
Oklahoma State, like you said, that defense is bad, and it's tough for me to quantify how bad it's going to be. I don't know if Iowa State's going to be able to get up and down the field, but then again, Oklahoma State's going to have to get up and down the field if that's the, if Iowa State is. This 10.5 is weird to me because I could see, and I know I'm talking about volatility a lot today, but sometimes, folks, when you get volatile situations or, I mean, I guess a better way to put it is situations where there's a high ceiling and low floor, there's a lot of different things that can happen. I could easily see Iowa State winning this game by a blowout, 41 to 10, something like that. But I could also see Oklahoma State's offense clicking and them keeping it close, 41-35, something like that. I do see this this leaning towards the over, 63.5 points, still a lot of points. And, and I'm, I'm leaning towards the over there, but I look at the numbers, 67% of the money's come in on the over so far, which makes me want to go towards the under. So I right. see a lot of conflicting things in my handicap for this game. If I had to force a bet, I'd go with Oklahoma State because I do like that hook, 10.5, seems valuable to me, but I'm not going to because their defense has not proven to me that they can withstand... Anyone? I mean, <laughs> and you look back at the Texas game, but it was their offense that kept up in that game. Exactly. It wasn't really their defense that did much at all. Right. It was time of possession, the offense moving the football when they had to. I like Spencer Sanders. I like Chubba Hubbard. But do I trust this defense on the road? Iowa State, no, I'm not going to bet on it. Plus, it's kind of a hedge here because since I'm not betting on this, we still have the over-under. Will and I uh, win against each other for Iowa State. I have under eight wins. So if they happen to kind of lose this game, I'm happy about that. Don't have any money <laughs> on it that way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you look at how Iowa State's offense has played these last few weeks. They've scored almost 50 against TCU and 38 and the at West they're Virginia. They're coming together. They're 30, a full team. Yeah, they, they team. are. They started slow. and I mean, basically since that loss to Iowa, they did lose to Baylor, but that was a close game. They, their offense has really figured things out. Their defense is still solid. It's one of the better defenses in the Big 12. And the only, the only thing that gives me a little trepidation is that it, it would be very much like Oklahoma State to have some disappointing losses. You know, they get blown out uh, playing Baylor, and then they come back and beat uh, Iowa State on the road. It would be very much like a Mike Gundy thing to do that because they are just kind of an unpredictable team. It would be, and that's what we think of a lot of times when we think Oklahoma State. Right. But I, <laughs> that defense, I mean, it, it's just You're right. yards after yards after yards. It's it's so poor. It's really bad. They give up big plays. Yeah. It's, t- it's tough. So they may be unpredictable on offense, but on defense they're certainly not. Right. So, yeah, I'm all over Iowa State here. So give me... Give me the Cyclones minus 10.5. Jervigo, William. And uh, next game up, Texas at TCU. This is an interesting one. Texas only a one-point favorite at TCU. So the over-under here is 59, by the way. So Texas, they had the scare against Kansas, which maybe can be attributed to a letdown game after being just kind of emotionally drained after the loss to Oklahoma. And they were lucky to not lose at home to Kansas. And now... Herman can't let it snowball as they go on the road to Fort Worth. So Texas, of course, has one of the best offenses in the nation. They're scoring 40 points per game. That's good for top 10 in the nation. But the problem is their defense is just terrible. It might be might be as bad or worse than Oklahoma State's. Uh, they've held only two teams to less than 30 points uh, this year, and those two teams were Louisiana Tech and Rice. Everyone else that they've played has scored 30 or more with the worst performance coming last week when Kansas scored 48 points. You can't give up 48 points to Texas at home. And I know they're depleted by injury, but at some point, you know, you have to look at the guys on your bench. You have to change things schematically. They're not doing that. TCU's defense, on the other hand, is a little bit better. It's not great, but it is better than Texas's. And uh, their offense, TCU's offense, also hasn't been great as of late. You know, after a hot start to the season, they've struggled to score against their better competition. 
So they scored just 17 points against Kansas State, which was after a bye week, by the way. So this week, they will the offense will have every opportunity to score. Texas is going to give up points. That, that much we know. And I do wonder about Texas with their motivation for this one. So I'm not loving Texas here. I guess I lean with the horns when I'm picking against the spread. But what I love is the over. It's 59 points. Call me square if you want to. I think Texas can score 40. And then at that point, all you need is an average showing on offense from TCU. And with what we know about Texas' defense is that they give up 30 or more to basically anyone with a pulse. So I like the over here, 59 points. Life is too short well, to bet the under, why as don't you, uh, Wiseman once said. Why, yeah, and then he lost all his money. <laughs> um, why don't you like Texas plus the one if you think they're going to get to four? Uh, well, they're minus one. Uh, I oh, just – look, I, the main reason why I don't love Texas here is just because I do wonder that after that Kansas beatdown – or not a beatdown, but after you know giving up that many points at home to Texas – or to Kansas, geez, I just don't – I worry about their motivation. I'm afraid that after that Oklahoma loss that they thought they think, well, we don't really have a chance. Yeah, maybe if we if we went out, we'll have a chance at him again in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe it was just a letdown. All I know is that this game just feels a little trappy to me. I, I think that before this game, I expected this line to be Texas favored by three or four, and for them to only be one point favored against TCU, who's really not having a great year. It seems that I'm a little scared. So I just like the over. I think a lot of points get scored in this game. I think TCU keeps this thing close. It seems, like you said, this is a weird line. Uh, But Texas, they've shown all year they have problems with that defense. They do have a porous defense. They have given up yards. And TCU has the 12th rushing game in the the 12th ranked rushing game in the nation. This is a team that can move the football. Very good offensive line. And if Texas does have a letdown, that's the question. If you can answer this, then this is a bettable game. What is Texas's mentality right now in the locker room? Are they using last week's close game against Kansas as motivation? Let's let not let that happen again. Or is there going is there the same mentality as last week? Could there be a spot to where if TCU starts running the football, that'll wear Texas down and demoralize Texas? Because TCU isn't the run and gun style team that we that we've come to accustomed to watching. Uh, TCU, as I said, runs the football and they run it well. So if Texas gets tired, they start getting beat in the running game, giving up some plays, I could see Texas potentially folding if no one's really excited for this game. So if you know Texas's mentality in the locker room, if they're all in for this game, I like Texas because I think that they're not a big matchup for TCU. But answer that question, what's going on in Texas's locker room? And this is a bettable game. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Wisconsin. At Ohio State, Ohio State a 14-point favorite here at home. This is a tricky one. It's honestly a shame the Badgers lost to Illinois, not just because of their season hopes, but because... For this game. Yeah, this game yes. would have been bigger, and I think the line would have likely been closer to 10 if Wisconsin hadn't blown it last week. Oh, then doesn't there have to be value on Wisconsin? Maybe, but th- I mean, now, <laughs> maybe not, after you see how they handled, you know, on the road at Illinois. So I think there's two ways to look at the Badgers in this spot. You know, does the Illinois loss actually motivate them more for this one? Kind of like, you know, a wake-up moment almost? Or does that game kill the players' confidence knowing that that loss might be the one to keep them out of the playoff down the line, even if they could beat Ohio State? So I think I lean with the former there as as the loss being more towards motivating Wisconsin, kind of a shot to the chin. But even still, this really has less to do with Wisconsin for me. Ohio State has been the best team in the country, I think. They have the best combination of top-tier offense and top-tier defense. 
They have been absolutely blowing the doors off of everyone they play, which has led to them being a freakish 6-1 and one against the spread. They're covering the point spread by an average of 18 points per game. <laughs> 18 points more than the spread. That's that's best in the nation. Of. It's that's insane. Crazy. Their only loss against the spread, by the way, came week one against FAU, a game in which they had covered the spread at halftime, and then they kind of let off the gas and gave up the backdoor cover. Since then, they're undefeated against the spread, undefeated first half against the spread. Their average margin of victory is 41 points per game. This is ridiculous. That's impressive no matter who you're playing, but it's not like their schedule has been a cakewalk. Their strength of schedule is currently rated by sports reference as the 19th toughest in the nation so far. Uh, And look, I like this Wisconsin team, especially their defense, but I find it hard to believe that they can really hold the Ohio State offense out of the end zone enough to keep up because the Ohio State defense will surely, you know, come up with a game plan to try to slow down Jonathan Taylor, force Jack Cohn to beat him, which I'm sorry, he can't do. Jack Cohn can't beat Ohio State by himself. So the 14 point spread is definitely a little bit of a scary number when you look at re- the recent history of these two teams. Uh, Ohio State's won six in a row against Wisconsin, but five of those six have been by one score or less. And this does kind of feel like the best version of both these teams. And it's interesting. The way the way I've actually been looking at this game is I've been thinking, how would you bet it if Wisconsin was on the road against Al- Alabama instead of Ohio State? A healthy Alabama, by the way, with Tua. Uh, if it was the same 14-point spread, I think most people would feel really good about betting Alabama. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think Ohio State is just as good, maybe better, than, than Alabama. I just still, as crazy as it is to say, I think maybe Ohio State is still being undervalued here. I feel pretty comfortable taking the Buckeyes minus 14, but what I really love is teasing this number down to seven points, and the team I'm teasing it with will come up later in the uh, in the game breakdowns. Okay, like that. Um, this is the number one and number two defense in the nation when you look at points, or excuse me, yards per play given up. So Wisconsin, the number one defense in the nation, giving up 3.3 yards per play. Ohio State giving up 3.4 yards per play. But you look at who these teams have played, not that great of an offense for either. I mean, Wisconsin, the best offense they've played, I would say maybe Michigan, which is so weird to say. I mean, Central Michigan, South Florida, Northwestern, Kent State, Michigan State, Illinois. Michigan's the best offense they've played so far. Right. Ohio State. Maybe Cincinnati. They played Nebraska, Miami, Ohio, Michigan State again, Northwestern, Indiana. Cincinnati's no, probably the best team on that list. Probably honestly. the best offense on that list for sure. So neither team has really had a litmus test for how good this defense is. This is where Wisconsin's defense gets exposed. And I think Ohio State is still that good. I think they're arguably the best team in the nation. And for that other level of, of, of teams, Alabama, Ohio State, right, th- that, that top group, it always comes down to, in my opinion, do they have a reason to run it up at the end of the game? Is there some sort of motivation? Because the reason the backdoor cover exists is because coaches take their foot off the pedal. I don't know if Ohio State necessarily has a reason to run this up. I mean, it's a huge game at home, number 13, Wisconsin. But we haven't seen Ryan Day really run it up at all this year. I think the 51-10 game against Indiana was just, I mean, that's 41. That could have been 81-10. That right. could have easily been a right. blowout. 76-5 against Miami, Ohio. Their two biggest spread spreads of the season. Or, excuse me, the, the Indiana game was 41 points. They did, I guess, beat Cincinnati by 42. But it doesn't seem like Ryan Day is foot on the accelerator. So, 
I just don't know if he has the incentive to do that here against Wisconsin, but they may end up with those points anyway. I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout point is I still don't know how good this Ohio State team is, and I'm not about to bet against them. If I had to make a play, it's certainly going to be Ohio State. Right. I'm not going to bet on Wisconsin after everything I went through last week, and then Ohio State, they keep getting better and better. So they're a weird team to, to nail down right now, and I would take Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a square viewpoint, and you'll scold me for it, but if a team has is now you know after week one they've won six straight against the spread you kind of want to keep riding them until they until they they lose right or is it more like buy you know sell that stock while it's high and get off them now well yeah vegas hates going when teams go 12 and 0 against the spread right i don't think there's ever been a team to go undefeated against the spread in vegas because they usually catch up but we keep saying every week like okay is but, this but, the week where the market but, caught but, up and it doesn't but, feel like it's gonna happen what i think is, is going on is the bookmakers are using decades of data. The Alabamas, the right. Ohio, Ohio States, the, 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 the Clemsons of the late, the Georgias, so on and so forth, using that data from the past. And I think that college football, I, this is more of a, we could do a whole podcast on this, this is more of a fundamental sport change. And I think what's happening now is it's just higher scoring in general. So I think that across the board, you're going to get these different outcomes that because of 2019 and how college football is today, it's uh, it, it's 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 different. So it's just crazy because I think uh, you know teaser bets is where you can buy points to lower the spread. There's an is it ple- well, or, pleasers where yeah, you, so can, you can get points up. So you could have been pleasing the Ohio State line and still been profitable. I mean, it's, the fact that they're covering the spread by 18 points per game is ridiculous. And to clarify what I was saying earlier is that. What in the past with Alabama, and I know we always use them, or the best teams in the nation, there was never this much of a discrepancy between how good the teams were in the power rankings and how good their performance was on the field. And I think Ohio State's kind of an anomaly. They don't know because what the books don't want to do is overreact. That's right. like their main things. They never want to overreact when Ohio State needs a bigger upgrade from the beginning. So I think, again, they're plugging in old data, all these old teams not understanding that it's a product of 2019 football and Ohio State may just be that good that they're still not caught up. But I find it hard to believe. And no, that is... I hate betting on teams that are undefeated against the spread at this right. point of the season because you're going to get burned by Vegas one of these weeks. Right. But I'm not... I'm not betting against them, man. Right. Like, I felt so stupid when I said it last week that, oh, this Northwestern game feels like it could be. And then, yeah, they beat them 52-3. to So, you know, like I said, I I feel pretty comfortable. Buckeyes minus 14, but I am going to tease them down to seven with another team. All right. And that's going to be this next game. Auburn going on the road at Death Valley at LSU. LSU an 11.5-point favorite here. So, speaking of teams with great records against the spread – Auburn is six and one against the spread this year, and LSU is five and two. And one of those that those two losses was very close, by the way. So this will definitely be one of the toughest defenses LSU will play all year. But after seeing the Tigers pick apart Florida at home uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it's safe to say at this point that Joe Burrow and LSU will score on anyone that lines up across from them. And even though this LSU defense isn't quite as great as what we've grown accustomed to seeing. It's still put. It's still going to put a ton of pressure on true freshman Bo Nix, who will probably need to have one of the best games of his life in order to keep Auburn in this game. When you're talking about going on the road to LSU, one of the toughest, uh, you know, home home field advantages you can get in college football. So once again, you know, this is kind of the same thing. I know that uh, Auburn has a great defense, but I think they're a little bit more geared towards stopping the run, and that uh, LSU 
can take advantage of that, and they're gonna, just going to continue to throw the ball, score a ton of points. So I feel fairly comfortable, again, taking LSU, laying the 11.5, but I love them in the teaser with Ohio State. So if you do a seven-point teaser here, now you only need Ohio State by seven and LSU by 4.5. That's my best bet of the weekend. Uh, in this game, I'm going to go Auburn plus seven first half. Oh, and, wow. And, and right now it's six and a half. So on most sites, you can buy that to seven for about minus 120. The reason I think this happens, for the first half, Auburn is going to have the game plan. I am sure that they're going to run the clock, run the football. Auburn runs the ball exceptionally well, and they're not going to want to put freshman Bo Nix in a bad spot. Also, they're not going to want to give Joe Burrow and LSU the ability to jump on them quick and run that score up in the first half. Auburn will implement that, that as long as they can, but it's not going to last 60 minutes. I think LSU inevitably, inevitably pulls away, but in the first half, I definitely think low-scoring game, Auburn sc- keeps it within that touchdown, they milk the clock, they run the football, and try and keep it out of LSU's hands. Uh, give me the flow to be very slow in the first half. A couple scores, maybe Auburn goes in down, I don't know, 10-7 or something like that, 14-10. I like Auburn to keep it within seven first half. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and by the way, I've seen this number as low as 10, 10 and a half. It's really fluctuating. You can get anywhere from 10 to 12. I'm currently seeing 11 minus 110 okay. on uh, Bovada and Bookmaker. Gotcha. Um, all right, well, next up, uh, last but not least, Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan a one-point home favorite here. So this one is so hard for me to decide because Notre Dame is coming off a of bye week, by the way. Brian Kelly has won. Brian Kelly! He's won his game after a bye week the last five years running. And not all of them have been these big marquee matchups, but he's on the road at Michigan. Michigan has been been crazy during the Harbaugh era how much better they are at home than on the road. And when you're talking about how the performance they did have last week against Penn State, I'm so torn because part of me says, hey, these guys showed fight. The offense actually looked good. The defense made the adjustments. I think Penn State's a better team than Notre Dame, so... Maybe Michigan should be uh, favored by more than that here. The other side says, was the Michigan performance against Penn State more of a anomaly? Now they're going to go back to looking like shit like they did all year. So this one I'm really torn on. I think that Ian Book's mobility could play a huge role in this game. He's a great passer. I really like him, but he's sneaky mobile. Not a lot of people really, when you think about him, you don't think of him as this mobile you know, running quarterback, but he really is. And Don Brown's defenses in the past have shown some weaknesses to quarterbacks that uh, that while they're not running a lot of you know planned quarterback runs that can break out of the pocket you know if there's pressure and run up the middle get some big chunk plays I think that could play a very big role in this game Ian Book's mobility and you look at their defense I think Notre Dame's defense is a little underrated but is it as good what you know look I don't like to do this uh, this comparing teams here and do the uh, the transitive theory well well Penn State's defense is better than Notre Dame's and Michigan could score on them so they can do that. But in this case, I kind of think it applies. I think that the Michigan offensive line really showed improvement. This was the first game all year long that Michigan didn't fumble the ball. Now the receivers were dropping catches and those had similar effects, but for them to actually show a game on the road where they're not fumbling the ball, it does give me a little bit of confidence here. Ugh, I hate I hate betting on Michigan. A lot of times I like to do the emotional hedge like I did last week where <laughs> yeah. where I pick Penn State and then that way I can't lose either way. In this spot, a one-point favorite at home, I think I'm leaning Michigan here. I think I really like Michigan to, to kind of get a bounce-back win and beat Notre Dame. Uh, I, it's, it's difficult because 
that would require Michigan to just wipe away last week that heartbreaking loss you just described it will they had the catch they could have forced overtime and then it all slipped away right. and they were looking at that probably as their season so yeah. I know I'm kind of going with this whole what if this week but there's a lot of handicaps that come down to one major question and I know I've been going in the locker room for a few teams but it's the same thing here with Michigan if this team comes out ready to to, to play completely motivated I like them at home by the way Notre Dame one in seven straight up their last eight games at Michigan they don't travel well to Michigan I just think that this is kind of a, a trap game for Notre Dame, and I think a lot of people are going to be on Notre Dame. I think the public will certainly be on Notre Dame this game. They haven't won money with Michigan this year. They're right. not going to start betting on Michigan, especially after last week. Even though they cut, co they covered the spread, I just don't see a lot of people. If you had Michigan last week, I don't see you replaying Michigan this week. And maybe that's just I'm trying to get in the heads of the average right. Joe better out there. But I just don't see them backing Michigan this game. I, I, I certainly see the public getting behind Notre Dame. And this was one of those lines that's so... It was weird to me, man. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I feel like Notre Dame should be a six-point favorite in this game. Right. On the road, maybe a four- or five-point favorite. But the fact that it's almost a pick -em essentially, this, this scares me. I do lean Michigan. I think they could come out big backing at home if they do have motivation. I trust them to bounce back, but... Brian Kelly, I like him, man. They do have yeah. one loss this season. They still can get into a very good bowl game. You never know what's going on in that locker room, too. And uh, underrated offense. So For sure. you, you put all that together. I, I do lean Michigan, but it's a weird line, and I like staying away from the weird lines. Yeah, I mean, this is a game where you, you could really talk me into betting anything at this point. It, I, it just seems one where it's not super predictable. I could see any... I mean, I could see Notre Dame blowing Michigan out. I could see, I could honestly see Michigan blowing Notre Dame out. I could see it being a close game for either team. And the bye week does, that, I think that's probably the part that makes me the most nervous because I think Brian Kelly is a very good coach. I think he'll have a good game plan. And with Harbaugh, we've seen it a lot where, you know, or games usually go a couple ways. They either go, Harbaugh has a great game plan, they come out and strike early in the second half and then can't adjust, or it's the opposite. It's that the game plan that they have set up doesn't work at all in the first half like against Penn State and then they have to kind of crawl back in and try to get back in this game so this one's tough I really don't know which way to lean but my gut it's like just from my gut is telling me that I think Michigan actually has a real shot here well your gut hasn't been that off this year Will so keep going with it I think you're onto something there yeah fair enough uh, did you have anything we kind of talked about maybe doing the Virginia Louisville game I didn't have a lot on that did you have any notes you wanted to say on that one I mean if you're looking for a tease option going from three and a half to nine and a half is great I always like to find teams that are home in between plus two and a half and plus three and a half oh Virginia's on the road they're going at Louisville yeah yeah so Louisville at home oh plus, I see yeah plus the three and a half taking gotcha. them to nine and a half point uh, underdogs at home even 10 if you want to do the six and a half point teaser I think that's a very profitable spot usually for teams that are plus two and a half to plus three and a half at home, I start saying, why wouldn't you tease this? Is there a reason? Is there a certain volatility? I don't trust Virginia to run it up on the road against Louisville. Right. Good showing last week. I would tease, look to put Louisville in some teasers there, plus three and a half. Yeah, like Louisville's defense is bad. They're going to give up points, but their offense is capable. And even though the scoreboard from the Clemson game last week didn't show it, if you watch that game in the first half, it was actually pretty competitive. Louisville had some some big passes dropped, a couple that would have been touchdowns that, that were drops that kept them off the board. I think that they're still a little undervalued just because of how bad they were last year, but I think that was more about players kind of giving up on Bobby Petrino. And then now once you have Scott Satterfield in there, who's 
He is a tough coach. He came from Appalachian State, did very well there. He was always good against the spread. I think that Louisville has a lot more talent than people expect. And if you're giving me, you know, a home dog by three points, I think I probably, you know, I lean Louisville. I, I don't love it though. So uh, one of my other games for the weekend, I do like Stanford at home minus one against Arizona, and this just boils down to Arizona. They don't travel very well at all. They're one and five straight up. Their last six on the road. That one win coming against the CU Buffs, I knew a lot about that game. That was more about the Colorado defense than it was Arizona's offense, and they still won that game by five points. I think that they could score here on, on the road, but I think Stanford actually turns a leaf and scores on Arizona. Give me Stanford minus one in a game again where you look at the square money where the public's going to be. I think a lot of people will be on Arizona this game on the road. It doesn't matter. I'm taking Stanford, a team that many people have written off from the beginning of the season. Those are often teams that are profitable throughout the, throughout the end of the year. We were talking earlier about teams that are undefeated, how Vegas doesn't like that to go on. Well, Stanford right now is 2-5 and five against the spread. This is where you want to buy on the Stanford Cardinal. Give me Stanford at home against the Arizona Wildcats. All right, there we go. Hope you enjoyed that, and hope you have a nice week in college football. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.